Flyers Daily with Jason Mertides. Right, here we go. Brand new Flyers Daily for the 26th of December, 2023. Flyers Daily is always presented by Ticketmaster. Make more memories live. Um, recording this on Christmas night. I've always found that this episode is one of the most difficult to record for a couple of reasons. Number one, team is obviously on a break, a holiday break. The league's on a break. There's a trade freeze. All businesses to halt and all players are stepping away to kind of take a breath, coaching and all, everyone in the organization across the NHL does that. And secondly, you have Christmas Day and I'm celebrating with my family all day and then all of a sudden I got to go snap back into that mode. Oh yeah, we got to do a podcast tomorrow because it's Flyers Daily. It's not Flyers Sometimes Daily. We do it every day. For example, we'd had one yesterday for Christmas Day with Bill Meltzer. So you can go back and check that out if maybe you missed it because of the holiday. But this is always one that I go, okay, what am I going to talk about for this episode of Flyers Daily? And in this episode, I actually thought I came up with a couple of different things. We're going to clean up some email that we're going to go through on the back half. But on the episode the other day, I talked about where the team is this Christmas as opposed to where the team has been the last four or five years at this time. And this usually Christmas from a hockey standpoint, is you're putting it out of your head, you want to celebrate the holidays because you didn't want that to tarnish it. Well, that's not the case. You can combine the two, the holiday joy and the joy of a hockey season so far. You can tie the two together for the first time in a long time. Now, it doesn't mean that the team is going to go on to the playoffs and win some rounds or go on a run for a cup. I'm not saying any of that. What it means is that things are pointing in the right direction. And this time... When we say it's pointing in the right direction, it feels more. It feels real. Maybe in those last years, it felt real in the moment, or we convinced ourselves it was real, or maybe you didn't convince yourself and you didn't believe it was real, whatever the case may be. But this feels different because it is different. It feels real because I think it is real. But with all of that said, you know where the team is right now has been such a surprise. None of us expected this kind of season so far. There was, I've always maintained that in sports, when you go into a season for any team, I used to talk about this quite a bit when I was doing sports talk radio, that whether you were going into an Eagle season, Philly season, Sixers, Flyers, whatever it was, the more question marks that you had, and really significant question marks, the more in peril your team was. Because if they're question marks and they all have to be answered, how many are going to be answered positive to really turn it in to a surprising season? And going into this flyer season, there was a lot of significant question marks from the departures of players like Ivan Provorov, who played every game, was your leading you know, average time on ice guy, number one defenseman, all of that, to Kevin Hayes and a big personality and a guy um, that was you know, a, a veteran in the locker room and could get you some points. You know, what was the impact of that going to be? Or James Van Reems, like the consummate professional, the NHLPA player rep, you know, those kind of things. That's part of it. But then you also had some big questions of, okay, if Provorov's not there, which he's not, who's going to take those minutes? Who will handle them? You know, to that same extent, 
how is Travis Sanheim going to return after last year in year number two of the deal? How is, or year, year number one, excuse me, how are players like Cam York going to adjust to being a full-time NHLer on a top pair? He played a lot of top pair last year, but don't forget, last year, he didn't make the team out of camp. He was a call-up. How is Tyson Forster going to take the next step? How was Cam Atkinson going to rebound after missing an entire season? How is Sean Couturier at 30 years of age after missing almost 22 months of playing hockey and several procedures on his back, how was he going to be able to move forward as an NHL player? How are the players going to react to John Tortorella in year two? I can go on and on. It was Rasmus Ristolainen going to be the player for the final half of last year, or was he going to be the player that overran plays and didn't play with structure? You know, there's a lot of these questions. We had them all over the place. Can Owen Tippett come back and continue his development and build on that 27-goal year he had last year? You know, these questions, TK had a great year last year. Was he going to be able to come back and duplicate it or maybe do even better? So all of these questions kind of sat out there, these question marks, poop, 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 all over your head. And you're going, wow, this is just a lot of questions. And are they all going to get answered positively? No. Have they all been answered positively? No. Maybe to lesser degrees for some positive than others, but you have all these question marks and you come in and, you know, your rational brain computes all the question marks and what's happened the last couple of years. You have some self-protection mechanism in there too to not expect too much so you're not disappointed if they don't achieve it. If I expect less and they over-deliver, I'll feel better. All of those things. So we come into this season and here we sit through 33 of their games they're one point back at the second spot. They lost the second spot because the Islanders uh, surpassed them the other night. Each team has played 33 games. Flyers one point back, 18-11-4. Uh, Flyers actually have two more wins than they have. Islanders have a really bizarre record of 16-8-9. But they sit a point back right now. Islanders are minus four in goal differential. Flyers are plus nine. We went over the numbers. It was through 31 games. I think at the time Flyers had scored. 19 more goals, and had given up 19 less goals that through that point of the year prior. So you look at all these big question marks, and I go, okay, we've talked about a lot of these elements, whether it's, you know, the shorthanded prowess of Travis Konechny in the year that he's having once again, or, you know, the impact of Sean Walker, the impact of both goaltenders, Carter Hart and Sam Arison. You know, these are, th- that was another question mark, Arison as the backup. That's a you know, I, I was never a big young guy as the backup that doesn't have NHL experience, but he's been great. Um, so I looked at all these things and, you know, all these question marks. And I go, okay, what's the kind of underreported story of this season? And I think it comes down to two players. There are two players on this team that we haven't talked about a ton. One of them we talk about a little bit more than the other, but we're going to talk about Sean Couturier and Nick Sealer. Now, one guy, Couturier, like I said before, missed almost 22 months of hockey. And Sean Couturier, he's not the most outspoken player in the NHL verbally, uh, but he is a guy, and and Torts referred to this in a press conference not too long ago, that can give a player a look on the bench and be like, what are you doing? Why are you doing that? He's got a lot of respect. He plays the game uh, like a, a 2000 ELO chess player, which is a grandmaster. 
he's an incredibly high, incredibly high hockey IQ guy. He's never been the fastest skater. He's never been the hardest hitter. He's never had the hardest shot or the most precise shot. But he's been a really good player for a, for a long time. And, you know, through he's missed two games. But through 31 games this year that he's played, he's got nine goals, 14 assists, and 23 points. Now, I'm not going to give you the rest of his stats just yet because I want to compare them to the year that he won the Selkie Trophy. He was a Selkie finalist a number of times. He won the Selkie Trophy uh, back in the 1920 season. And we know that AV's first year, and the team got really hot in the second half. The season got cut short, went to the bubble, on and on and on. But that year, through his first 31 games, again, he won the Selkie that year. He had eight goals, 15 assists, and 23 points. I'll give you his numbers this year again. Nine goals, 14 assists, 23 points. It's not the only parallel. That, uh, this year, he's at a plus five through 31 games. That year, he was a plus seven. He had 14 penalty minutes through 31 games that year. He's got 14 penalty minutes through 31 games this year. He had seven even strength goals uh, in the first 31 game, or he has seven this year even strength goals through the first 31 games that year. Guess he had seven even strength goals through 31 games. Two, he had one power play goal in the Selkie year through 31 games this year. He's got two. This uh, that year. He had one uh, game-winning goal. This year, he's got two. His numbers are pretty much exact. Maybe a tinge better. Okay, so, okay, ice time. You figure, okay, this is pre-surgery. This is 28-year-old, 27-year-old Sean Couturier. Well, that year, in 1920, through the first 31 games, he averaged 19 minutes and 26 seconds of ice time. This year, through 31 games, he's averaging 19 minutes and 51 seconds of ice time. His shooting percentage uh, this year, 10.6. And that year, through 31 games, 9.4%. Now, does this make any sense in the world? Any sense? This guy missed 22 months of hockey. 22 months. Back surgeries. He's 30, and you compare his first 31 games this year to the first 31 games of the year that he won the Selkie with much more veteran players on that lineup. Drew's here, Voracek. They got a lot of guys, and the numbers pretty much identical. That is staggering to me. When I, when I pulled the numbers for the first 31 this year and compared it to the first 31 from 1920 in the Selkie year, I couldn't believe it. I thought my eyes were deceived. I go, did I click the same 31 games? And I'm just, the numbers are unbelievably similar. And that is a big reason why the Flyers are where they are. I was talking to Chris Tarian on a pregame show about this. Bundy and I were discussing um, the notion of slotting, how players slot into a lineup. Well, Sean Couturier's return as a top-line center, and the numbers back that up. Now, he's not the most night down. I'm not saying he's Connor McDavid. I'm not saying he's one of those guys. He's not a superstar. But 
when you have that player and everybody slots down below where they're supposed to be and they're not all one rung up where they're not supposed to be, that makes a huge, huge difference in a team sport like hockey. So having Sean Couturier back, having him being as productive as he is, and have him his leadership and the trickle-down slotting effect on the roster is a big reason why the Flyers are where they are. His underlying numbers, his defensive numbers are fantastic, just like they were in 1920 when he won the Frank J. Selke Trophy. It's an unbelievable story when you consider that he's 30 years old and he missed almost two years of hockey. It, frankly, it's mind-blowing that he's been able to do what he's been able to do in these first 31 games. It, it, I almost can't even believe it that he's done what he's done. And it puts Flyer fans at ease because he's in year two of that contract extension, the eight-year contract extension that he signed – few years ago, eight years, $62 million, an average annual value of $7.75 million. Now, I don't know how he's going to go in his 31-year, 32, 33, 34. I think he's a player that's going to age well in this league, like Drew, because their game was never predicated on pure speed or just pure insane ability. It's always been more predicated on hockey IQ. So I think Sean Couturier ages well in this league. And if this indication of how he's coming back after almost two years out is any indication, then you've got one hell of a deal at 7.7 in what is going to be this summer a rising cap league. Right now, the 7.75 is 9.51% of the cap. That's a bargain for the player you're getting in Sean Couturier. It's a great deal. You have to have players like that not making $9.5 million to eventually build a team that can go on a run and win a cup. I'm just stunned by the numbers. I mean, it is 31 games, 23 points both years. Eight goals in the Selkie year, nine this year. One less assist this year, one more assist in 1920. Unbelievable. Uh, So Sean Couturier, a big reason why this team is where it is. Now the other guy that I mentioned, Nick Sealer. He's in the final year of his deal, and he's the guy that maybe will be dealt. At the deadline, there's a lot of interest in him around the league. Last year, he played 77 games. It's the most he ever played in an NHL season. His first year in the league, he played 22. His second year, he played 71 in Minnesota. And played 12 the year after. Or 6 the year after that. I mean, didn't play a lot. Came to Philadelphia, played 43 uh, in 21-22. Then played 77 last year, and he's played in all 33 this year. He's also, first career, he averages 13 minutes and 53 seconds of ice time. This year, he's averaging 17 minutes and 10 seconds. He's playing more than three minutes than he's ever played average uh, per game in any other season. And he's found chemistry with Sean Walker, and those two work great together. One guy thinks offense and transition and getting the puck up and his body up the ice quick, and Walker, Sealer goes, You go, I'll stay. I'll mind my position on the blue line. And it works. It's a bona fide second pair. It's one of the top 10 uh, best pairings in the NHL, according to advanced stats, at giving up expected goals against. 
And not only that, but we saw in the Detroit game the effect a guy can have with things that don't show up on the score sheet. He's an incredibly well-liked player. Players in the room, they know his story. He, he thought about giving up you know, the dream of staying in the NHL longer. He was looking for other things to other ways to go in his life. And the Flyers brought him in and resurrected him to where he is now. And players know that. They know that this guy has been given nothing in the NHL. Nothing. He's had to earn everything he gets. And he's fully earned that 17 minutes and 10 seconds of ice time he's averaged this season per game. And he's a grateful guy for it. And he's a very well-liked guy in the room because he will step in and have to handle physical business if he has to. He will not let his players be taken advantage of, his teammates. He's a guy that will do whatever it takes, works insanely hard day in, day out of practice because he knows he can't take anything for granted because as quick as it was almost gone before, it could be gone again. So Nick Sealer is a guy that when you see his reaction in the Detroit game, and th- that's why you got get a response from the team because of the way they feel about their teammate and a guy like Nick Sealer. And that woke the Flyers up in that game against Detroit. There's no doubt about it. Because right after that, Flyers scored two goals, I think in 43 seconds, and they make it a 5-3 game. Then they go into the third period, they rally all the way back, take the lead. We know how the game plays out. Eventually, they lose in the shootout. Uh, but Nick Sealer is one of those guys that we haven't talked about a whole heck of a lot other than the conversation of, oh, they should trade him. Now, look, I don't, I'm not, I don't know what his value is. I don't know what his value will be on the open market. It's an expiring contract. He doesn't make a ton of money. He can fit on any team. They'd love to have him because he's a physical presence, a steady defender, a guy that would be good in playoff series. Now, if his, if his value is determined to be a second rounder, you got some decisions to make. If his value is a third rounder, then you gotta, you got to ask yourself, what are we doing? You know, I, I know people love picks, but a third rounder in the NHL, I'm not sure the exact percentage on it, but it's probably about 5% that that player is going to play 200 NHL games, a third round pick. So you got to weigh what you're losing for what you're getting. And I think Nick Sealers has been one of those guys that his play has been underreported or under-talked about. I don't think people underappreciate him because I think Flyer fans are smart. I think they recognize what a guy like Sealer brings to the table. But he's been another big-time unsung hero for this Flyers team. And a reason why they are where they are, the way he has stepped up. Um, I want to get to this one email, too, real quick before we wrap up. Fred uh, emailed me at jason.mertitus, J-A-S-O-N dot M-Y-R-T-E-T-U-S at gmail.com. Uh, Fred emails me quite often. He said, uh, Jason, just watched your latest episode on YouTube. At the beginning of the season, he said, I was holding my breath. Now I'm having fun watching the Flyers. I watched the Minnesota-Boston game last night, and Flyers hockey is just as good. He said, I like the fact they, that they are in it every game and have a fighting chance to win every game they play. He said, I could not have hoped for more from the Flyers this year. Merry Christmas, Fred. Fred, Merry Christmas to you. And I think you touch on a really interesting point. Uh, it has been fun. And the way they play is different. And it is more fun, a more fun brand of hockey to watch. 
But what you said, I watched the Minnesota-Boston game last night, and Flyers hockey is just as good. I've gotten these tweets and emails and messages, and people would say this to me now. Oh, I watched the Bruins play the Caps last night. The Flyers are light years off because of the way those teams played. Or I watched the Leafs play, or you know, you watch Florida or Tampa or Carolina. You'd watch these teams, you go, I just don't see the Flyers in that same league. You hear that at the beginning of the playoffs all the time when your team's not a playoff team because everything ratchets up. But now you watch the Flyers and you can watch those other teams and you go, oh, they're playing the same game. They're playing a high level, a skill game, a very modern NHL game. And I totally agree with that. Totally agree with that. And look, that's going to be part of it. And they're playing this high-flying, tra- high-transition offense game. they got to be better on the four-check, as John Tortorella said, uh, to get ready for when guys like Cutter Gauthier and Matt Vemichkov get here because those players' skill sets lend to playing the game that way. It's a great email, Fred. I really appreciate it. I hope everybody, uh, you, Fred, and everybody else listening, watching, whatever, um, had a very Merry Christmas and a great time uh, with family and friends and Really enjoyed it. Well, Flyers will get back at it coming up on Thursday uh, when they go to take on the top team in the NHL, oddly enough, the Vancouver Canucks. That's when they'll begin a four-game road trip where they'll see Vancouver, Seattle, Calgary, and Edmonton, and they'll return home January 4th to take on the Columbus Blue Jackets. Everybody, thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. We'll be back tomorrow for another brand-new episode of Flyers Daily.